Welcome to Cornerstone. We're glad you've joined us. Today, we'll be hearing from a special guest speaker. Listen in and be encouraged as we spend some time in God's Word together. Good morning. How's everyone doing? Good. I love the second service because I get all my jiggles out the first service, so I'm excited. Um, It's always super humbling. for you guys that are maybe new, this is only my third time getting to teach, and it's super humbling. It's definitely a privilege. I don't deserve it. It's all by God's grace, and I need his grace right now uh, so that you guys would learn about him and that I would make sense. <laughs> uh, but before we begin, I want to start with a story, because uh, today's the Super Bowl. I don't know if football fans in the room, but I thought I would share one of my famous football stories I was debating between my first play ever or my last play ever. They both have a bad ending. Sums up my career. So I chose the last one. It was my eighth grade. The year was 2013. Um, Fourth quarter, last game of the season, of my last season. Coach calls a timeout. Says, all right, we're having fun. We're whooping the other team. Andy, let's put you at running back. You deserve to touch the ball for once. (laughs) And so uh, they call a play for me, and I'm like... I did not know God then, but if I did, I would have been praying. Um, And I, yeah, run the ball up the middle and kind of get dogpiled on. And I get up, by God's grace, I don't know how, but I got up. And I'm walking back to the huddle. And I'm like, "Uh, my arm don't look too good. Uh, But I was in shock, so I didn't really feel it. But I, I snapped both bones in my forearm. I didn't break the skin, but it was pretty good. And um, but I, I share that story not be, uh, to show off my football skills, uh, but my parents would always tell me that story. Uh, it's going to take a weird plot twist right here. You ready? My parents would always tell me that story to highlight how much my brother loves me. Uh, because growing up, me and my brother had a pretty rocky relationship. Uh, there was a lot of sin, a lot of fighting. Um, it was like two brothers, but went a little farther than the normal brothers, Um, and a lot more sin that, you know, I'd like to admit. And my parents would share that story because they said, hey, on that night, nobody was more concerned about you than your brother. And I'm like, no way, come on, no way. Uh, He's down on the field, hey, how can I help? What do you need? Can I get you water? Da, da, da. And uh, yeah, when I heard that story later, I'm like, oh, this is made up. This is a dream. That did not happen. Um, and then there ended up being some photo evidence of my brother being really kind to me and had a really concerned face. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, it is true. Um, and as silly as that sounds, uh, I really hold on to that memory because me and my brother don't have a lot of great memories. Um, and as I was reflecting on that story, uh, you know, it kind of reminded me what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7. Um, that even we who are evil, um, and all of us have sin in our families, know how to give good gifts to one another. You know, nobody asks for, a, you know, bread and you give them a snake, if you guys know that verse. Um, and yeah, my, my dad was right. He goes, oh no, he does love you. It's because you're family, you know. But it just got me thinking, you know, how much more, um, <laughs> how much more, how, how good God is when we're a part of his family. Um, because I misread my brother that day. I underestimated that he would ever be kind to me. Um, 
but I share that story to illustrate how much more, I believe, I definitely do uh, misread and underestimate how good God is uh, when he has a record of always being faithful, always being kind, always being good, always being perfect. Um, and so that's what we're going to see today. going to have a pretty explosive passage with Abraham, uh, but let's pray. Father God, thank you for your grace. God, right now, uh, would you just show your faithfulness to us in a deeper way through uh, the promises you made to Abraham and how you fulfilled them in Christ? Um, yeah, help us to have a passion for your word and be amazed of just how you've, how you've worked through just an incredible story and all these details Um, I pray at the end of it, uh, we would just leave with a greater appreciation of your faithfulness, uh, greater confidence in your word, um, and a deeper heart uh, to worship you. Paralysis in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Yes, so uh, if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and make your way over to Genesis chapter 12. Um, And like I said, this is an explosive passage it's one of those, if you, you know, need some sort of reference point of like, does God fulfill his promises? Is he trustworthy? Is he going to do what he says he's going to do? Uh, this is one of the best places uh, that we can look. Um, it's just filled with so much hope. And when we see it, uh, yeah, just fit properly into scripture. Um, it can remind us to just remember and rest, um, rest in the God um, that we follow. But uh, before we jump into chapter 12, I kind of wanted to take us back a little bit and just for a couple minutes, I'm watching the time, uh, through Genesis. Uh, We've heard Dr. Bauer uh, explain the fall, Genesis 3, 3, and then last week, Tower of Babel, Genesis 11. Uh, But I think it's really important we just kind of highlight through some of the key events leading up to chapter 12. Uh, It's kind of like... You know, if you watch the football game tonight, I might watch the fourth quarter. I'll know who wins and who loses, you know. But if you watch, if you read or watch or listen to the fourth quarter of the Bible and you see, you know, Jesus and all this anticipation and then you see him die the way that he does, he does rise. You're kind of like, what is going on? You know, what was really happening? And so the beginning, just like the beginning of a movie, you know, it's like crucial to understand, you know, what's driving, what's driving the story here. And so, real briefly, um, just want to talk through a couple questions, because the, the first, Genesis 1 through 11, it's like this nice, big, zoomed-out picture of the world, and in a sense, is our history. And then, and then we're going to zoom in on chapter 12, zoom in on this one man. Um, but real briefly, just through Genesis, uh, let me see... There we go. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1-1. I love it. Right away, we see, hey, he's God, we're not. God created. God created everything. Um, From land to sea to sky, he made everything. Uh, It it goes on, and I love the repetition we're going to start to see. And this is important. Uh, We start to see some repetition. He says, he makes uh, every fish of the sea according to its kind, every bird of the air according to its kind, every living creature according to its kind. But then he gets to man. And, come on now, 
He says, let us make man in our image after our likeness, right? He said the animals after their kind, but when it comes to humans, I'm making them after our kind. Um, and what we see right here is God setting men and women apart. We have a special place in creation. We've got a specific task, a special task. Um, and what he says is, we're made to image God, reflect God, know God, show God. I'm making you guys, I'm going to send you guys out, and you guys are going to make more image bearers, babies, and more image bearing beauty and cool art and businesses and God-glorifying things, um, and, and you're going to extend, you know, this rule. Um, we see God explain, I don't think it's working for me. Oh, it's turned off. There you go. Uh, that makes sense. Um, we see God explain more uh, of, of what humans were supposed to do. Be fruitful, multiply. I kind of just said this. But the key word here, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion. Have dominion. We're supposed to, you know, be God's representatives on the earth. We're supposed to honor him and, and, and cultivate and to produce things. And this was our work. And in the beginning... Uh, God saw everything that he made and the work that he had given us. And he said, behold, it was very good. It was very good. Um, and it's important to note at this point, uh, just to remind everyone, this was God's goal for everyone, for all of creation. You know, when we, when we read books and it's like, oh, there's the Christian God and then the next God and the next God, you know. I grew up, you know, not a Christian and I had religion class and we learned about all sorts of other, you know, beliefs out there. And I'm like, ah, oh, no, we're not one God among many. This was the plan for everyone from the beginning. Um, we also see God gives another command. Uh, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And I'm, I'm highlighting these scenes to make one real point. <laughs> Uh, I have a few more, but the, the point I'll say it now is just to see how gracious God is to us from the very beginning. He didn't need to make us. He wasn't lonely. <laughs> uh, but he decided to share in his goodness uh, with us. And then he gave us a good task and said, man, go enjoy what I've created. And then he gives us a command. And he says, hey, don't eat of that one tree. And it, it struck me this week um, you know, a lot of people are like, why did he do that? You know, come on, why can't we just... It says, don't eat, not I will kill you, right? There's a big difference in <laughs> how we interpret that. This wasn't something to kill our joy or, you know, just box us in. But this was for our joy, that God knows best and says, man, I designed it this way. Please follow. You know, like any loving parent, this is what's best for you and I love you. Uh, but Adam and Eve, you guys know how it goes, uh, did not believe uh, that this was good. And so when the woman saw that the tree was good, when she saw, when, I, when, I, when, when, when each one of us gets to decide what's good and not good, and, and um, you guys have heard all this, but Adam and Eve, you know, chose to sin. And since then, all of us have been infected by sin um, and then followed in their pattern. Um, and so how does God respond uh, I just want to, I'll say it again, illustrate how gracious he is, 
from the very beginning. He rightfully, you know, curses the serpent and Adam and Eve and says, curses is the ground, curses is the woman. Uh, but at the same time he does that, he gives a seed of hope. And that's what we're going to be tracking uh, today is this seed, um, this offspring, this promised one. And right there in the fall, uh, we see God uh, respond to them in grace. Um, Genesis 3.15, I'm sure some of you guys have seen this before, but uh, when God is talking to the serpent, he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your, your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. What this basically is, is a foreshadowing of that Jesus is going to come, born of a woman, and he's going to crush that stinky snake. <laughs> and and Jesus is going to die. He's going to bruise his heel. But ultimately, Jesus is going to have the last word. From the very beginning, this book, this Bible, all about Jesus um, and how gracious God is um, to be faithful to send him and for us to get to know him. Uh, right away, we even see another little, little Jesus glimpse. You know, uh, Adam and Eve, they sin. And how do they react? They're like, oh, I'm naked, right? Uh, they're naked and ashamed. And what we see is God comes to them and covers them. Something I also didn't notice um, until this week was that that covering, um, it's in the end of, you can go find it, at the end of uh, chapter three, but it says a loincloth. Um, and it's an animal covering. And so remember when God said, the day you eat of it, you shall surely die? Well, they didn't die that day. So what, does that make God out to be a liar? No. Absolutely not. Somebody else died that day. And when God covered them, uh, those animals that he made those skins from covered them. And right away, we see this principle of God saying, you need a covering, humans. You need a substitute. And you need somebody to take your place. And the whole Old Testament, there can be all these offerings and all this, you know, uh, you know temporary coverings. But then the real covering, Jesus Christ is going to come and fully pay for our sins and cover our sins. Uh, but we're tracking the story. This is where we are in the story, right? You're watching a movie. You're like, okay, I'm excited. I want to see where this goes. And so I know nobody looks at genealogies. It's okay. <laughs> but this is so cool because we saw Eve has hope that there's this offspring. And so we're tracking this promised offspring. And in verse 16 of chapter 3, we see, in sorrow you shall conceive. We take that to mean like, oh, you know, Giving birth is really hard, and it's true. I've, I won't ever know. Uh, but he's also saying that, like, you're going to be sad because you think the one is coming, and it's not the one. And so we start following this line from Adam to Seth to Enosh, da, 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 da. and you go down to Noah, and, like, Noah, it's so fascinating, all these names. Noah's name means, like, rest. And you're like, oh, is he going to be the one? Is he going to be the one to give us rest? Is he the one that, you know, God was, you know, hinting at? And what does God do? Sends a flood and, and it kind of restarts, restarts the earth. And, and Noah's kind of like this second Adam. And you're like, okay, maybe. And then how does his story end? Naked and ashamed. Uh, you can go read that. It's kind of a fascinating story. And so it's just kind of repeating. And it goes on from Noah, uh, you know, God comes and blesses one of Noah's sons, Shem. And then the line continues. Here's 10 more generations, 10 more names I don't know how to say. Uh, but the, the point of showing you that is, hey, this beginning part of Genesis, it's the setting. 
I mean, we're, we're figuring out the main characters and we're, we're tracking this seed, right? Jesus doesn't just show up out of thin air, right? He was coming from the beginning. It was always plan A. Um, and so now when we get to Abraham, which is where we are, thank you for following with me, um, we see that this story is going to turn. This is a, is a pivot point uh, of this story. You know, the action is starting to rise. And so if you guys want to look uh, at Genesis chapter 11, we'll start actually in chapter 11 at verse 27. Uh, follow with me. Uh, now these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran fathered Lot, Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his kindred in Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wives was Sarah. And the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Ishka. Now Sarai was barren. She has no child. So I'm going to keep reading a little bit more. But I just want to point out two things. Sarah, no child. And they're in this place called Ur of the Chaldeans. And it's in that context, God says, these earth-shaking, future-altering, you know, universe-shaking, I don't know how else to describe it, this promise is going to be the promise that unfolds through the rest of the Bible. It's so cool. And so God says, uh, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Verse 4. So Abram went, that's pretty awesome, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he sent out from Haran. He took his wife, Sarah, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired, and they sent out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. So they go, and they get to this land, and then the last few verses right here. When they came to the land, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, to the Oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. That's going to be a big thing we'll see play out in the story, but the land's occupied. And then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord. Uh, from there, he moved to the hill country, uh, moved around, and there he built another altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. And that is Genesis 12, 1 through 9. And so I read all of that. Um, my first point today um, is that God speaks when there is no hope. Kind of went through all the tracking the seed, following the story, give you all that background information. It's super important because right here, we get to the end of the line. We're tracking the seed, and we get to Abram. And what we see, uh, we, we see it, uh, the Bible tells us elsewhere in Joshua 24, that Abram and, and Terah, this family uh, that we're following the story, they're off worshiping other gods. They're in Ur of the Chaldeans. That place is, is the center of, of lunar moon worship. Abram's father, his name meant moon. And, and so we're it's really important that we're tracking this story. And now we get to this point where spiritually, this family is shot. I mean, nowhere to be found. They are not following God. They are not honoring God, right? Abram was a pagan just like everyone else. 
And I think we read these stories and be like, oh, Abraham, uh, Father Abraham, you know, it's so awesome. He was no better than anyone else. Um, and what we see is that spiritually, wow, wow, they're in a bad spot. The family of God, the people that, that knew Genesis 1 through 11, who knew what we were supposed to do, who knew, you know, what the, the, the gracious character of God, they are about to die because Sarah is barren. The line will not continue unless God shows up and does something. And that's what we see, right? We see God call Abram here. And so uh, we're going to be tracking this promise. Um, and I'll just tell you now, it's fulfilled in Christ. Uh, these promises are going to be a promise to us for those who believe in Christ. Um, but I, I want to I pause and, and make a little bit of a comparison for today uh, because I feel like, I don't know, I'm young, so maybe I'm naive, but I hear a lot of stuff of like, oh, the church is so small and it's shrinking and, and this and that. Uh, that is not like what we see right here, right? This is one man left. You know, we see a couple, you know, Job may have been around and a couple other people, but this is a dire straits, right? And so nowadays we don't need to ring the alarm and, you know, the world is falling, the sky is falling. Man, God has worked with a lot less before. And he's going to keep working with the lot he's got in this room. Um, and we've seen that. I mean, we've seen that time and time again in the history of our church. That's who our God is. I mean, he shows up when there's no hope. That's the story of every Christian. At this point, Abram, he ain't no Christian. I mean, we're going to see later next week, he, he believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, kind of not by works, but by faith, right? We, we're going to see that, you know, next week. Uh, but at this point, you know, we're tracking this seed, but he ain't really part of the fam. And then God calls him, right? And so that's each one of our stories. Like, when there's no hope, uh, I, I'm not naive to know that there's some people in the room who may not be Christians or, you know, maybe struggling with their faith really just doubting God and wondering, you know, man, is he trustworthy? Is he trustworthy? Is he going to show up when, when I'm in a time of need and there's no help and no hope for me? Um, the answer is yes, we have a God who speaks. Um, next point I want us to see um, is that God fulfills his promise and more. Um, so, God just made this epic promise. Uh, to recap, it's a seven-fold seven promise. If you look back at chapter 12, he says a lot of stuff. Uh, but you see a land. I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to make you a great name. I, you're going to be a blessing. And, 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 and through you, I'm going to bless all the families of the earth. How on earth is any Doesn't that sound so crazy? That's like... I mean, has God ever came to you and said, Mr. Painter, I'll use Joe as my example, Mr. Painter, I am going to make you a great nation. You know, you think China's great? You think America's great? You know, I'm going to make Painterland a great place to be. And you are going to have many descendants. And you're like, okay, like, I'm cool with just a couple, <laughs> uh, but you're going to have a lot. We're going to see next week more than the stars. Can't even count them. And, and through you, 
all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. All those people randomly out in Africa who you never heard of, somehow they're going to be connected to you. It is crazy. Like, what is God promising here? What is he promising? And then we're tracking the story, and that's, you know, it's really important to tell, I tell the kids all the time, you know, cut me, man, I want to bleed Bible, you know? Like, we eat the Bible for breakfast. Like, we've got to keep following the story, or this won't really make sense. Um, so, I'm going to tell you how it's fulfilled, hopefully in a way that makes sense. Oops, sorry. Uh, there we go. Thank you. All right. Uh, before we talk about how it's fulfilled, uh, this was a, an awesome quote from a, an Anglican preacher. Uh, he said, God made a promise, uh, a composite promise, as we shall see, to Abraham. And an understanding of that promise is indispensable to an understanding of the Bible and of the Christian mission. These are perhaps the most unifying verses in the Bible. The whole of God's purpose is in, encapsulated here. So this is a big deal. Um, and I also love second service because I can tweak what I did last service. I felt like last service I was a little confusing, so I'm going to try my best to be better now. Uh, so I'm going to not show you the slide uh, until I say what I want to say. Uh, when you come in to promises and prophecies in the Old Testament, uh, a lot of times there's kind of a multi-layer fulfillment. There's like, it's going to be fulfilled like right away and then like way later. And so when we see the land, we see the nation, and we see the blessing, undeniable, God fulfilled those promises right away because God Isaac, and Isaac has Jacob, and Jacob has many sons, and, and they become the nation of Israel, and he leads them out of Egypt into the promised land. And at that time, there's like two million people and trace the whole Old Testament. You know, they leave the land, blah, blah, blah. But in the end, they end up in the land, right? God fulfills those promises that he made. Uh, but the later fulfillment, how, how, do, how does that, you know, them, God talking to Abram and and creating a new people, you know, there was never Hebrews before God just made them right here. Uh, how does that connect to us? Uh, I want to show you, uh, not this slide, this was my confusing one. This, uh, this is Galatians chapter 3. This basically sums up uh, how in Christ this promise is fulfilled and applies to us. Uh, so, Read this with me. Know then that it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. Uh, there's a lot of people out there who think they're sons of Abraham, right? Like there's three major religions that all trace, you know, themselves back to Abraham. Muslims, Jews, Christians. Uh, but uh, Paul is writing here uh, the scripture for seeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. Preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying in you, all the nations shall be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. This is a fascinating verse. It just said in chapter 12, God preached the gospel to Abraham. You guys know what the gospel is? That's like the main thing that we believe, right? That Jesus died for sinners and rose from the dead and is coming back. And whoever, I don't care where you are, where you've been, what you did, what you didn't do, if you believe, you can be 
brought into the family of God and have a relationship with God, that was connected to Genesis 12? Yes. Because when you think about it, you know, none of us, you know, I, to go back to Joe as my example, sorry, uh, you know, Joe's not the blessing, right? Abraham, he's only one man, and they don't have planes. He ain't going to be tra- traveling far to all the nations. You know, he's stuck right there, right? Who is this blessing? Who is this blessing that's going to, there, through him, bless all the nations? It was pointing to Christ. Christ is the blessing, right? Christ is going to be the blessing to the nations. Uh, and... It's just incredible to believe that that promise God made 4,000 years ago to some pagan man who was not following God uh, came true and 4,000 years later is being preached right now in this church. Isn't that amazing? That God is faithful to his promises. If you need any reference point, uh, take Genesis 12 and the resurrection of Christ and see how he fulfills it. That's so cool. Um, I had in my notes, uh, man, well, as you saw the second point, I said, God fulfills his promises and more, right? And more. Because when, when God made this promise to Abraham, Abraham didn't know what's up. He didn't know what was coming. He said, go to the land that I will show you. He didn't see it. He didn't get to, you know, Facebook it and let me see, you know, what, what are the reviews on this land? Uh, he didn't, you know, V and I are planning our wedding, and boop, praise God. Uh, and like we're looking at, we, we picked our venue, but we went and toured some venues. Like, I, I want an awesome venue. You know, it was a big day. Well, God's making a big promise. Can I see this land? He said, no, go. Go, and I'll show you. And then once he goes, you know, he goes and sees it. Um, and... What's crazy then, like I said, right, that, that first fulfillment, but then a final fulfillment. Do you guys remember that there's still a land coming, right? Remember the last time I was up here, I got to talk about the resurrection and the new heavens and the new earth, and then and, and, and God's, you know, city is coming down, to, and God's going to dwell with man, right? Revelation 21, 22. So like that land, it ain't no Canaan. I mean, they're getting a new heavens and a new earth. Like, there's, a, there's something even more coming. Heaven is coming. God is coming. Jesus is coming back. Uh, and, yeah, that promise, I mean, I'm sure it blew Abram's mind, but he didn't, he didn't know what was coming, and we don't know what's coming either. God is so gracious um, and gives us so much more than we deserve. I was trying to think of an illustration for this promise, uh, of something that like gets better and better and better. It reminded me of the best college football game uh, in the history of college football. Wearing my maroon for this occasion, Texas A&M. Whoop. Uh, the seven overtime game versus LSU. I unfortunately was not there. I was driving back home from Thanksgiving, but I watched it on my phone. And you're like, first overtime, nice. Second, nice. Third, like, this is crazy. Three overtimes, like, the Aggies typically suck. Uh, And then fourth, and then fifth, and then sixth. And you're like, please don't lose. And then we win, and we're like, ugh, suck it. You know, like, it's so cool, right? It's getting better and better and better and better. And this is what's happening. Um, um, 
And, and you know, we, tr- we track this seed up to Genesis 12. The whole Bible's going to track this seed, you know, uh, 2,000 more years till Jesus comes. Uh, and then Jesus comes. He's going to be that blessing. Uh, he's going to be the one who going to stomp Satan, who's going to forgive us of our sins, regardless of who you are or what you've done. If you come to him, if you believe the promises of God that you will be forgiven, just like Abraham believed in faith, um, he is so trustworthy um, from the very beginning. That's why I don't like when people are like, man, the Old Testament's weird and God like, he was acting out of character. No, he's not. We're just not following the story. Uh, not following the story. And so when we follow this, you know, we get to this point now where, okay, now what? You know, okay, he, fu- he fulfilled this promise. There's still something coming that's greater than we could ever imagine. We are now by faith, you know, children of God along with Abraham. What is our response? What is our response? Um, You know, I think about, um, you know, I only became a Christian four years ago. Just had my four-year anniversary. I kind of celebrate that. It's kind of cool. Uh, January 21st, 2018. Um, before that, I had never heard the gospel. Uh, and right here, Abram, uh, he was preached the gospel beforehand. And it made it all the way down to us. And what we see at the very beginning, God said, hey, this blessing of the gospel, of the good news of Jesus Christ, was never meant to terminate on itself. This wasn't supposed to end with you, Abraham. Through you, I will bless all the nations of the earth. We see at the end of uh, uh, Matthew's gospel, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now you go forth and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, um, teaching them to believe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you till the end of the age, right? We're supposed to go, right? Think about, like, we didn't deserve any of these promises. Take it back to the very beginning. Was God lonely? That's why he made us? No, he ain't lonely. He made us out of grace and of overflow of his love, right? And then when we messed it up, he came and saved us and redeemed us and rescued us. Uh, I wonder if Daniel will tech, uh, touch on it next week, but the very, the very next verses in, in Genesis 12, you know what Abram does? He goes, I don't really believe God. I don't think God's going to do what he says, so I'm going to make my own plan, and I'm going to sell off my wife to Pharaoh and... and uh, See what happens there. And over and over, that's what we do, right? We don't believe God. I'm going to make my own plans. I can't trust him. And yet, over and over and over again, he comes back to remind me, why don't you have reason to believe? Where have I wronged you before? If you need any reference point, go back and look and see what I said and see how I fulfilled it, right? Um, we can have rest um, in clinging to the promises of God. Um, and so quickly here, my last point was just, wow, how do we respond? God deserves all of our worship. Uh, we see 
This is Abraham's response. You know, you could, you could put the emphasis on Abraham in this passage, and he was so great, and he believed, and he had faith, and he did have a lot of faith, and we're going to learn about that. Uh, but the emphasis here is really not on Abraham. It's more on God and the, 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 the great promise uh, that God made Abraham. And how does Abraham respond? Look back at verse 7. Uh, so he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And then later after he leaves, he moves, uh, verse 8, there he built another altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Um, I just want to challenge us uh, to think about how much we take for granted. Uh, how much we, how, how often God has shown up in our lives time and time and time again. Yes, to give, make a way for our salvation, but in all the little things too, you know. I was really nervous last night uh, to preach this. And uh, I'm like, God, I need your grace, you know. It is pitiful that, you know, a man like me or a man like you is going to come up here and (laughs) try to do a good job to say how good and gracious and faithful you are. Brains can't comprehend that. Brains can't comprehend that. You know, I love remembering my sin. Kind of a hot take, but I love remembering it because it, remem- it reminds me of where I was and how far God has brought me. Maybe that hasn't, you know, been real to you recently. You think about, uh, you know, um, maybe somebody, you know, shared some, some sin with you and you kind of freaked out. You're like, how could you, man? You got to remember, man, that was you, right? Never forget where we came from, right? It's a reminder of God's grace and faithfulness to us. I mean, I was a chump. I mean, chump, 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 chump. None of us, none of us uh, hear the gospel, believe the gospel, or are brought into the family of God because we earned it or because we deserve it, but because by God's grace, we were called. You heard the call, you answered the call, and you respond to the call in worship. There is nothing more important we could do today, nothing, than worship God for his faithfulness. Nothing more important. Um, And I love, uh, I'll I'll end here. uh, Revelation, last book of the Bible. You might want to turn here. This is pretty pretty epic. Last last book of the Bible, uh, Revelation chapter 7. You know, God made this promise at the beginning. I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to give you a nation. I'll make you a blessing. And at the very end of the Bible, I kind of already hinted at this, but look at verse, chapter 7, verse 9. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number. From every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, which is God's righteousness, clothed on us, 
palm branches in hand, and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Um, And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever and ever. Amen. Um, That's our story. Um, That's our story for those who have believed in Christ. Um, And so I want to challenge us to remember uh, where we came from, how far God's brought us. Uh, It wasn't because of us. Um, And to respond in worship, uh, in humility, and not allowing the gospel to terminate with us, but to spread through us, going to the ends of the earth. Uh, I'd I'd love for you guys to pray. Uh, We're taking 25 kids to camp uh, this Friday through Sunday, Um, and there's going to be like 600 kids there. It's pretty awesome, like from all over the the state. I think there's like 20 different youth groups coming. Um, Pray, man, that God would do something there, and those kids would go out. Um, and that we would go out, uh, but just pray that we, we hear the call uh, and we respond to it. Uh, but let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your promises. Uh, God, thank you that you are so much better than we could ever imagine or deserve. Uh, thank you uh, that your promise, promises are invincible. Uh, our sin can't stop us. The devil can't stop it. Uh, the world can't stop it. The flesh can't stop it. Uh, God, I pray that we leave encouraged uh, knowing that the God we serve who called us will keep us till the end. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for spending some time with us today. For further information about today's podcast or our church in general, please visit us at cornerstonecbc.org. That's cornerstonecbc.org. Thanks. See you next time.